Welcome to the Psych NP Cast, a podcast made specifically for psychiatric mental health nurse practitioners and their peers. You're about to enjoy, be educated, and entertained about your profession. Just remember, folks, the views you hear on this show are those of our amazing guests. Always validate what you do through your best practice guidelines and patient care standards. Now, let's get to the show. Let's get to the show indeed again, I guess. This is part two of a two-part episode with our author, Lucy Fielding. She wrote Trans-Sex Clinical Approaches to Transsexualities and Erotic Embodiments. Just a reminder, folks, this is part two of an episode where we're talking about sex. So keep in mind who's within earshot of this conversation. Let's just turn it back over to the show. Lucy, keep talking. I'll still bring it around the sex. Don't worry. Oh yeah. Well, that's what I was going to say. Are you comfortable <laughs> talking about sex? Um, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I'm let's... much more comfortable talking about my own sex life yeah. than I am about my, um, my clients. Um, you know, just because I, I don't want to have to an- anonymize it. And mm. I also want to normalize that I'm a sexual being. I'm an erotic being. And, um, and it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about that. I, I mean, I think that obviously that's the focus of your book. And I think, um, you know, we need to make sure that we're, we're, we're approaching this topic, you know, appropriately. So we're, you know, we're in a room full of clinicians. Um, sex is, is what it is. I do want to make sure that as we, as we go, one of the things I would like to, to see if you can kind of form into how you you approach the book and, and the content of the book is I know that one of the thing, one of the challenges that we face uh, in the, in the prescribing world is uh, so let's just say as an example, right. Our medications that we do have sexual side effects. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that one of the things that can be challenging is, you know, when you're dealing with a, a trans patient who is having sexual side effects that may or actually may not impede, you know, their, their pleasure, Mm -hmm. um, and how to approach that, that with the client, you know, so I do want to make sure we kind of get there, but let's talk in more generalities first and maybe kind of build, build to that point. What are some of the key aspects of your book that, that you think are appropriate for every clinician to walk away with? Well, I think first and foremost, it's um, it's a shift away from the cultural scripts that harm all of us, cis and trans, mm-hmm. um, like the scripts around function, performance, um, loss, um, mm-hmm. and but they hit trans folks in a very different way. Um, And so first and foremost, I want to move away from like a discourse of function or loss and talk about recentering pleasure in in the conversation. 
like because mm-hmm. um like for example um i um, early on in training i um i was at a wpath training and i talked to a surgeon and and i asked um i asked the surgeon you know like what kinds of conversations are you having about pleasure with your clients mm-hmm. with your patients mm-hmm. and he you know paused for a beat and then sidestepped the question of pleasure entirely and said well we uh, talk a lot about you know like uh, and i about um nerve function and as i am you know engaging in bottom surgeries i want to ensure that i'm preserving as much nerve function as possible and it's like that's that's not pleasure that's function yeah um that's a very different thing and because like um and pleasure can be experienced in different parts of the body um when we talk about function we're talking generally about and especially like to whip the 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 dsm a little bit more um oh baby please Oh yeah, um, consensually. I <laughs> yes, consensually. I, I would hope. Um, <laughs> Never going to look at it, the DSM cover the same. <laughs> I know, right? Um, um, is is the, you know, like you look at the sexual dysfunctions mm-hmm. chapter of that, and yeah. you know, and it has, and most of of the disorders um, in that section really have to do with gen when they talk about function they mean a very specific thing they mean genital function and they mean genitals performing in particular ways they mean uh, pardon my my language but um mm. you know um go for it hard cocks wet pussies right. um and um and and not just wet pussies but but um receptive pussies mm. and hard cocks that can penetrate and um and for some folks that's what they want sex to be and that's great but there are so many ways to experience pleasure in the body one thing that freud does really really well um is that he introduces this concept of polymorphous perversity and it's the idea that that our bodies can be disposed to um, numerous um, that our entire bodies and our skin Mm -hmm. is an erogenous zone Mm -hmm. and it doesn't have to just be the genitals. Now, granted, he then went on. (laughs) Then he went went a little genital crazy. uh, Yeah, like the immaturity (laughs) of the the clitoral orgasm. Right. You know, (laughs) yeah. yeah, put that aside. But the concept of polymorphous perversity is actually brilliant. And really affirming and lovely because it just says, you know, like, you know, um, some people can come from being flogged. Some people can um, experience great pleasure from um, getting a back scratch Mm -hmm. or um, having their neck kissed. Yeah. Um, And it doesn't have to pass through PIV sex or um, or PIA sex. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, that's one of the big, the big things is like, we need to be recentering pleasure in, in our, in the ways that we're working with clients. 
Um, and then I think the other piece is that so much uh, that has been written about, you know, not just trans and non-binary bodies, but queer bodies, um, uh, and um, and disabled bodies, and elder bodies, and BIPOC bodies, mm -hmm. and um, you name it. Um, you know, like anyone who is not um, white, cis, het, thin, uh, between the ages of like 18 and 35, um, you know. Yeah, um, right. it, yeah, like sex education is built for those folks. Um, mm -hmm. And let's throw in monogamous and vanilla as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so our so much of our our research and our um, and the great sex education texts of um, you know even the last five and ten five or ten years. And what I wanted to do was to say, I'm tired of having to extrapolate from cis experiencing mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or from straight experiencing. I want something. I want cis folks and straight folks to be learning from us because trans and non-binary folks, we have a ton of ingenuity in our communities. And, um, and, and I really want that to be the conversation. Yeah. I, I mean, that's, that's powerful in, in so many ways. And I think one of the things that I, there's a couple of things I heard you say there um, that I, I want to kind of focus on first is, is you're talking about the fact that um, sexual pleasure can be attained in, in a lot of different ways. And so our, if you will, almost binary sex thinking of penetrative ejaculative, etc. Mm -hmm. When we're talking to a client who is trans or even really in the queer space in general, um, or the kink space, even, uh, that the questions should be worded kind of the, you know, the way you did in that, um, you know, what's, what's your pleasure? Are you attaining pleasure? Um, because a, uh, you know, because dryness or erectile dysfunction or whatever may not actually be something that, that is bothersome to them because of how they, find that they enjoy enjoy their sexual life and that goes for people you know whether they uh for trans folks whether or not they have bottom surgery or not mm -hmm. you know like even if like um a, a trans woman um gets a um gets a vulvoplasty um that doesn't necessarily mean that she wants to experience penetrative sex yeah um it just it may mean that that it's the um, or or penis and vagina sex. It mm. may mean like I I want the I want the appearance of of um, of a vulva. I want or I want to have um, I want to have a, a clitoris that is interacted with in a particular way. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and like the vagina itself that, that is, uh, constructed, um, through a vaginoplasty is, is, you know, like may or may not be the way that they want to experience sex, or they may want to experience sex through 
finger banging versus, you know, through, um, you know, uh, other kinds of penetration. So like none of this biology is not destiny. Um, Ooh, I like that. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's, uh, couldn't be more true. I mean, I, you know, um, I've said this on other shows, it's, you know, but I mean, I'm a queer white cis guy. Um, I, uh, I identify as, as pansexual, uh, and I have, I'm a 56 year old man. So I've been a little sexual, uh, you know, um, was married, you know, f- for a while and, and it was joyful and, and everything else. But the other time, you know, the rest of the time is, has been a lot of, uh, a lot of experimentation and joy with other people. And I think one of the things that I have seen since you said, right, you know, it's easier to talk about our sexuality than it is to anonymize others is one of the things that I've seen. And I, when I've talked to trans partners or other things like that, I think that, you know, you bring up an, an interesting point, right? Sex, sex, joy is very individualized. Mm-hmm. And what, what works for one doesn't necessarily work for the other. And that would be the same in the cis hetero world as it would be in any other world. And we need to break from that, you know, from that, trying to apply a normative to, to anybody. I mean, that would be the ideal. I think if any patient walks in, you know, walks in the room, the question should be is, you know, are you, are you enjoying your sex, your sexuality, and are you having pleasure? Not are parts working? Yeah. And, and I think, you know, some of the conversations, I mean, to get to the kind of like the sexual side effects Mm -hmm. piece of this, Mm -hmm. you know, um, you know, which we see not just in, um, in hormones, um, but also in SSRIs, for example, um, you know, whether anecdotally or not. Um, And I think this is where like an understanding of desire and eroticism, looking at it from a pleasure lens and from a more expansive lens, allows us to ask different questions and to come at presenting concerns in a different way. So, you know, like maybe um, I'm not a prescriber, I'm not a medical professional, um, but like maybe like if you're talking to somebody about an antidepressive, um, you you know, ask like, you know, what kinds of, you know, what kinds of side effects are you hoping for? And what kind of side effects would you like to avoid? Here are some of the things that typically happen, Um, you know, and so maybe you, you know, this comes from like psychopharmacology classes and just experience. (laughs) Um, But like, um, I don't want to speak outside of my scope of practice. Is, no, is no, the, completely the, understand your, your apprehension. Go ahead. Um, but you know, like, okay, well maybe then we talk about throwing in some Wellbutrin with, with your Lexapro, um, you know, it, or, or something like that um, to maybe ease some of the, the side effects mm-hmm. that, that feel different ways. Or we can also think of it as, in terms of responsive desire, where desire is responsive to contexts, both internal and ex- and 
external contexts. So, you know, and one of the major contexts for um, trans folks and non-binary folks are dysphoria, gender youth, uh, gender dysphoria and gender euphoria. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so like we, we assume that, you know, there's this kind of static relationship where, okay, you introduce a, um, a hormone, for example, and it does this, it makes right. the libido go up or it makes it go down. Well, like for me, like, for example, um, I inject estrogen every day um, and it did not cause a drop in desire or arousal. Mm. Um, what it what it did is that it allowed me to feel more and more comfortable in my body and made the body feel like more and more a place that I wanted to be in and wanted to experience things from. And as a result of being more comfortable, you therefore enjoy sex more. I mean, exactly. I mean, and a wider range of, of pleasure. Of pleasure. Yeah. I, I mean, I think anybody, no matter who, how you identify as, you know, anybody who's been at least sexually active for a little bit, you know, can recall enjoying the same thing more when they are more comfortable with the individual or the climate or, you know, whatever, right? There, you can enjoy the same sexual act differently in a backseat of a car than you might in a, you know, in a more comfortable place or maybe the backseat of the car is where you would enjoy it more if you know right i mean all those different elements come together and so it's a matter of you being comfortable and even without thinking ssri versus wellbutrin or or supplementing with i think you know the the key point that that you're saying is is if we identify the individual uh, with the individual and say okay so what is it that that you know, right. So the medication might be for your safety. The medication might be for, you know, for mood improvement. We're going to encourage therapy to deal with the things that, that therapy deals with. But at the, you know, at the end of the day, what is it that, that the medication is doing with your body that you would like to see something change about? Mm -hmm. And if there is a way chemically for us to supplement that, then great. And that, and going back to one of the original things that you said is if that means an interdisciplinary approach where the psych MP is talking to the endocrinologist and saying, look, you know, here's this, here's this, this is what the individual is seeing. This is what they're seeking. What other, what other approaches can we take? Is there a different approach to the, to the hormone therapy, you know, the hormone replacement therapy, HRT? Is there a different approach that we can take working with the therapist? Is there a different approach that we could take giving them comfort in these new sensations, these new feelings, all of those different things, that whole interdisciplinary approach is really um, the key to that. It's not just looking at them in the linear approach to, to medication treatment. Well, and, and, and it's also giving permission, um, you know, to clients and in a very specific way. And the, um, in the sense of like, sometimes folks don't know that something is possible um, unless they're really, you know, experimenting and exploring, which is great because like then very, very little work to do. Um, but like, um, but if you are, um, but sometimes it's a matter of the provider being comfortable enough to ask the questions. Um, so for example, like one of the things that 
Um, you know, I, I suggest providers ask, and particularly medical providers, is, um, is to say, like, you know, um, as part of informed consent, do you have any questions about how, um, how this particular treatment um, will impact your sexual life? And then maybe you give some examples. Some folks have, um, you know, um, asked about, you know, like kink stuff and mm -hmm. about like, you know, like, for example, um, my poor surgeon. Um, I, I mean, I got, <laughs> I like messing surgery. with surgeons too. Yeah. Go for I, it. I love messing with them. Um, but my surgeon's fabulous. And, and, and he, uh, like, but, uh, he of course had to deal with me and, <laughs> and, and so like, I, I was like, so, um, so doctor, um, you know, like, uh, I am having, you know, a, 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 a a play partner, you know, um, um, you know, that, that I, that I want to play with and, you know, like, um, is, is it safe for me to have like uh, a chest harness on, um, or like, and when would that be possible? Can I have impact to my breasts? Right. Um, when is that going to be safe to do? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and so like, I'm asking those questions, but like a, a provider can, without like, you know, asking it directly and, and, you know, um, you know, can at least to borrow a term from um, queer sexualities, we can flag um, mm. our comfort. Can you explain flag to, to the audience? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So flagging um, or um, it, it, it um, emerges out of, the hanky code and out of like um, leather, the leather scene and leather communities, um, chiefly of like after World War II um, and um, and often in the 60s and 70s. And um, and it's about like um, it's you wear particular hanky colors um, in particular pockets and that communicates to folks um, in spaces, this is what I'm into and this is the role that I take on in doing that particular activity. So I top with respect to fisting or I bottom with respect to um, impact, you know, um, and so you, um, different hanky colors. And so flagging is about saying, like, it's about saying, I'm not going to wear a sign. Maybe I will. Uh, I mean, I, I might. <laughs> Walk around with a like, sandwich board. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm not going to wear a sound sandwich board that says, I fist people. Um, mm -hmm. But I might say, or like, I'm a, um, or I'm a kinky provider. But I might say, um, you know, like in my, um, in how I describe my practice, I might say, instead of, I see couples, I say, well, I see, um, all sorts of relationships, including polycules and DS, uh, dynamics. And so like, and so for folks who are looking for that, that tells them 
that gives them a clue that, yeah, like I probably am kink knowledgeable or I'm poly knowledgeable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And thank you uh, for that. We haven't talked about hanky codes uh, or for those of you that don't know what a hanky is, handkerchiefs, (laughs) pocket wedges, uh, (laughs) whatever you want to call it, small flags, banners, what, you know, whatever. Um, as as aside, I you know I I what I think is funny is you know it's 2021 and you know flagging coding whatever you want to call it has gotten so much more fascinating. Is going to clubs and people now are wearing leather harnesses with LED lights on it so they can change the color dependent upon their mood. Oh, that makes my heart happy. And I just I, I first time I saw that at a club I rolled my eyes. Second time I saw that I was like. I might need to get me one of those, um, you know, right? Because you can, you know, they're just emblazoned with, and they can pick the color depending upon your mood of the day, and you know that way people know. And and yes, audience, right? This is this is how some you know cultures that are so you know that that are sexually open and and, and aware, whether you're hetero or not, um, you know, this is how some people identify and 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 choose to. I'm in the mood for blank um and as long as it's safe then go for it so when we're talking uh, to patients about uh, gender affirming care and other things like that i want to highlight some of the stuff out of, out of your book um you know when we are making sure that there's gender affirming care when we're making sure that there's a multidisciplinary approach um you know and that i think in chapter 6 you talk a little bit about um you know that rolling them in it's this isn't just about therapy and and medicating this could be about bringing in sex educators this could be about you know enc- encouraging safe experimentation uh pelvic floor therapy um professional doms body workers i'm i'm like pulling right out of your book here um you know because the the sexual health of an individual is is so key to the personality that, that the individual is, if they're even a sexual being at all. Mm-hmm. Can you elaborate some on that from, from your book? Yeah. Um, and, and I'm, I'm really glad you added that piece at, at, at the, at the end, whether they're a sexual being at all or whether they're a sexual being at all. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's why I talk about and erotic embodiments because, mm. because I, I don't want it to be, a book just for allosexual folks. Um, Mm -hmm. So folks who, um, who are not on a a gray ACE um, or an asexual spectrum um, uh, in terms of their uh, sexual identity and and orientation. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, a lot of, a lot of gray ACE folks, um, you know, sometimes enjoy sex, sometimes enjoy certain, types of sex. Sometimes they um, prefer um, kink or tantra or cuddling or makeout sessions. Like, um, and so, you know, it's also broadening this notion of, of eroticism. Or broadening um, the notion even of sex itself, right? Because yeah. what, what we, again, European white person version of sex penetrative um, we had a president who said they didn't have sexual relations with an intern. Um, and that was 
because they're (laughs) and yet almost single-handedly you know like told uh you know made the 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 blowjob explode in (laughs) interesting choice of words (laughs) yeah like made the the concept of blowjob literally explode in everybody's mouth no i didn't yeah (laughs) yeah no but but i mean you know it's like um you know the star report is is you know like this it's it's awful it's it's <laughs> horrifying it's political it's eroticism also, is that what you're saying <laughs> yeah. well i mean you know it's it's like you know it's like oh that's possible i can do you know and so like even if people were already doing you know experiencing uh blowjobs for centuries like suddenly like it's like oh i can do this like you know i can do other things and so it yeah. gives permission right for, right for, I, I mean the politics and humor aside the fact that 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 we we as a as a as an american people as a whole not just our profession but as an american people as a whole had the conversation that is oral sex sex right you know or is 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 you know is an oral act a sexual act you know and and i mean that opens up the door to uh, you know we don't need if we take that to to the more modern you know a more modern aspect right somebody who who says they're you know that that they don't have penetrative sex they don't have oral sex but they you know maybe they don't even maybe they don't even orgasm per se but to be you know that that they they just love to cuddle and that's you know and that's that's what they are um is you know is just a big cuddler then you know, then that's the joy that they're looking for. And there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, and, and I, I, I also want to like, you know, take a step back and say, you know, this framework doesn't just offer something for trans and non-binary folks. It also offers something for cis folks mm. because like, if you are suddenly expanding your notion of what is possible with our parts and our bodies and how they can be experienced and interacted with and what sex is and what it can be, then like suddenly, uh, uh, suddenly a disorder like um, erectile dysfunction takes on a very different hue um, because, you know, like you can, like, what if you talk to a penis holder about like the fact that, well, those nerve endings are still there, whether your, um, whether your penis is flaccid or not, mm-hmm. um, you know, um, like a, a penis does not have to be an engorged crotch rocket. It can be. Um, and that is one state it's in, but the erection itself is not what is, is not the actual, um, pleasure. It's the indication that there's some kind of liking going on. It's an indication that there's some kind of liking going on and, and or wanting. Yeah. And it's designed as a result, it's designed for, for penetration, but you can simulate the feeling, the sensation, 
um, in, in many other ways. It, you know, if it's engorged and it's hard, it's it, it's it's able to do some things, but it's not necessarily that it's not you know that that it doesn't doesn't give joy. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've heard the same thing from patients who are on you know SSRIs who have prolonged or you know delayed or absent ejaculation. Right? They can still gain a great deal of pleasure from the physical touch, the sensation, the act of whatever it is that gives them pleasure. You know, orgasm at the end is not necessarily what everybody is looking for. And so if they are having delayed or absent orgasm as a result of the medication, right? The question is, is, is that troublesome, right? It isn't, isn't that we need to necessarily change the, the, the treatment approach, but you know, is, is that troublesome? Heck, some of the kink community actually, um, you know, focuses exclusively on, on ejaculation. Absence yeah. The as... only kind of CBT I like. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> I'm just going to let the audience look that on up. <laughs> yeah, go go ahead and explain that. <laughs> no. No, look it up. Look it up. I like that. Um, no, that's great. Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> uh, I'm having fun. Um anything else, uh, you know, it's easy to say this is an amazing book. It is full of what what I love about about the book is it is full of information, perspective and from 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 the clinical side of things. Um and I think that that's, you know, that's probably the most powerful aspect of this is that, you know, this is a book written about transsex kink from a, a science and, and learn learned perspective. Um, and talk to me about your, like, you know, in part of the book, you bring the theory into practice is what you, you know, what you call, call that section. Um, and you really have some interesting, um, other perspectives in there. Can you, can you elaborate a little bit on that? Yeah. So, um, so, what I wanted to do was, um, you know, I, there's a lot of, of theory in the book and there's, mm -hmm. um, and my background is in literature and history. So of course there's a lot of references to film and television and, uh, literature and, and kind of, you know, unpacking historical traditions. Mm -hmm. Um, and I actually draw more strength from that than I do from, um, science as it were <laughs> um but um but it's um it's just it's the metaphorical system that 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 i that speaks to me um you know but um what i also recognized is that i'm a white trans femme i'm assigned male at birth um and i've made particular choices and what I wanted to do was in each of the first five chapters, I wanted to like give some um, exercises or activities or value clarification question sets that, um, that um, readers could use. Um, but 
I also, in the last chapter, I really just try to take my voice out of it as much as possible. Mm -hmm. And I turn it over to 14 providers in different, from different professional locations, all trans, all non or non-binary or gender expansive. Wow. And, um, and there's a lot more work to do there. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, I think like I would, um, I'm really thinking about a future book that would be like chapter six, but on steroids, um, mm. just radically expanded. Mm -hmm. Um, and that would be the book. Mm -hmm. Um, but, um, but it's, but I wanted to get, I wanted readers to be able to see themselves in it um and to get different perspectives like for example even as a therapist i'm a pretty like bottom up kind of um clinician like um and that works for a lot of clients mm -hmm. and for a lot of clients that just is not the way to go like they they want more of a top down skill oriented cognitive experience mm -hmm. and so like i wanted to you know, provide, um, you know, like a, a reading on this material from somebody who approaches things from more like a positive psychology lens. Um, okay. and yeah, uh, or to like give voice to, um, there are two pelvic floor PTs in, in the book. Mm. Um, and in, in that chapter, um, Hannah Schoonover, um, in DC, um, and, uh, Heather Edwards, um, in a Asheville, North Carolina, mm -hmm. um, both incredible, um, non-binary, um, gender affirming providers who okay. work. Yeah. And so like, I wanted to give readers, even no matter what kind of modality you were working in, I wanted to give you an entry point to again like give you permission to experience like oh i could turn to a professional dominant for that oh cool mm. like i don't have to be everything to this um to this patient i can refer them to somebody who can do the touch that i can't mm -hmm. interdisciplinary team interdisciplinary approach to your book i think that that's yes. that's that's great um, so who would you, who would you say the book is for? It's a good question. So manifestly the, the, um, you know, it's in the title clinical approaches. It's, <laughs> yeah. it is, uh, it is a book written in a style for providers, mm -hmm. um, for intended as the, the intended reader is uh, providers expand expansively defined, but providers. Um, a next book will be community um, centered, and mm -hmm. that's that's the commitment that I that I really want to make. That's great. Um, but there are also a lot of really good community resources out there already. Um, However, like when you ask the question, who is this for? Yes, manifestly, it's for providers. It's written in that style. And I am myself a provider. But 
I'm doing this because I, for, for the communities that I'm a part of, the communities that have nurtured me, that have, um, that have given me life, um, in ways that like interfacing with my providers can't possibly, you know? And so it's a way of, it's a small way of giving back. It's a way of engaging in advocacy and activism to be able to say like, we can all do better Mm -hmm. and we can, um, we can be part of a process that can empower instead of denude. Hmm. That's great. Thank you. I I think the way I see, you know, having, having reviewed the book and other things, I mean, the way I see this is, is that for, for those of us in our profession who want to learn and understand more, who want to be a part of in the, the patient care model where we understand the community is that the communities really that we serve um, and we don't want to be using our, our patients as our educators, mm-hmm. you know um, that we want to be comfortable. We want to be able to sit there and, and, you know, understand and, and learn from hearing what our patients say as, as opposed to learning, you know, from exclusively from the patients about trans sexual identity, trans, transsex kink and you know erotic embodiments and, and all the other aspects so i want to thank you uh, for being on the show today you've given a lot of great information uh, maybe we'll have you book with the back with the next book uh for everybody who wants to order the book can you tell everybody where to go and uh, reach out to you and get the book yeah so um thank you um so if you go for example to my uh, public Instagram at Lucy Fielding, L-U-C-I-E Fielding. Um, there's uh, links that um, for um, that will take you directly to pre-order the book. Um, but uh, the best way to pre-order it is directly from Routledge or from a um, a small uh, independent bookstore. If you would like to benefit from twenty percent off, um, use the code. Um, AET 21 and, um, and, and, um, you know, on the Rotlich site, we'll make sure all of that's in the show notes. Mm -hmm. Um, so that'll be great. Um, and if somebody wants to reach out to you and, and collaborate with you in the future, how, how might they do that? The best way is, um, through one of the forms on my, um, on my website, uh, lucyfielding.com. Um, and you know, when you, or through Instagram, DM me, whatever. Um, but um, one thing to note with the, the web forms is sometimes my responses will get lost in a junk filter. I don't know <laughs> why. So like, if you, if you're like, I reached out to her like ages ago, why hasn't she responded? Check your junk filter. Check the junk mail or, yeah. or once the pandemic's over, Pop into Charlottesville and have a coffee with Lucy Fielding. And yeah. You could freak everybody out in the coffee shop. I think that would be a lot of fun. <laughs> um, and if you speak French, even better. Yeah. Well, Lucy, yeah. thank you so much for joining us today. Um, a wealth of knowledge and information. I really do appreciate it. Thank you, Ed. It's, it's, it's really such a pleasure. Thanks. So.
this, this was fun. Well, that's it for this episode of Psych NP Cast. We'll see you in our next episode. Don't forget to tell your friends, and in whatever podcast system you're in, don't forget to rate us. That helps us get found by other Psych NPs. We'll see you next time.